every little detail of our lives, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray for everyone here this morning, everyone who's tuning in online, Lord, that uh, that we would be touched by your spirit, Lord. God, fill us with your spirit. And, and Lord, I pray that we would draw closer to you and just prepare our hearts for uh, what you have for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for... Uh, thank you that your, your spirit is here and within our midst, Lord Jesus. And we're here to praise you, God. You are so worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You're worthy of my praise. Let's sing with all our hearts. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will worship. Oh, my 
strength within the sorrow, there is beauty in our tears, and you meet us in the morning, with the love that casts out fear, you are working in our waiting, Beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper, you have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever. understand your ways, reigning high above the heavens, reaching down in endless grace. You're the lifter of the lowly, compassionate and You surround and you uphold me, and your promises are my delight. Your plans are still to prosper, you have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're Turn it for our good. You turn it for our good. For 
Sometimes, I know in my own life, I've failed to understand what love is. The world has an idea of what love is, and it's often not what God is love, and he is truth. And it says that whom he loves, he chastens. But chastening doesn't feel good, but it could be love. God is perfect in love, and we can trust him in everything we face. This week I was working down in Monarch Ski Area down there working and timed that one perfect because the leaves are just changing right now in the mountain. I mean, it's, oh my word, you can just sit up there and just, it's the best place to worship if you want to go worship right now because it's just so beautiful. But looking around, I mean, uh, Friday, Soretta was down there with and we were running around in the van. Of course, from the tr log truck, you only get to see so much, but when she came down with the van, we started running around a little bit more up some of these trails and looking around and looking down, and I mean, the mountains down there are just so big and so right there, and I just I just sat there, and I was just like, wow. I mean, how did God create something so big and so amazing? And I don't know. I was just a little in awe of how powerful God is with those mountains looking around and also how gentle he is because you look at this rocky mountain. It's so rugged and I mean, it's just, you just, it's, it's amazing in that. But then when you look down a little bit further, then all of a sudden you have all these pine trees and you have all the yellow of the aspens through the pine trees. And it just, it's soft. And that's just who our God is. He is mighty, but he's also as gentle. He just, he's, he's a, a gentle whisper in the wind, if you will. And that's, that's who our God is. But yet he shows himself so mighty and powerful and I just want more of that within my own life because I want to understand how, how that works within me spiritually, how he can be mighty but yet gentle with me. Who else? 
Jesus commands all the hosts of heaven. Who else can make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Only a holy God. What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? Only a
for you guys today about a little girl called Jenny Atkinson. Have any of you ever heard of Jenny Atkinson? I hadn't either, so this was interesting for me. I want to start out with reading a verse that kind of goes with this story. In Hebrews 13.5, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you guys say it all together? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Say it one more time. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, let's see how God did not forsake little Jenny. Okay, Jenny Atkinson was a shy, timid girl who lived a long time ago. When she was very little, her mama died, and her new stepmother loved her and took care of her. But one day, her stepmother also died, and soon Jenny's father was not and soon Jenny's father was going to marry again. For some reason that Jenny did not understand, her father and his new wife decided to send 8-year-old Jenny away to be adopted by some distant cousins. What is wrong with me that my own father does not want to keep me, Jenny asked herself. The child was sent away alone on a big train. Eight years old. Are you, are you eight, Caleb? You're eight, Sherry? Okay, so in about a year you'll be eight. Imagine she was sent alone on a big train. Before her father, or before she left, her father placed a name tag on her coat so the conductor would know her name and the train stopped where she was going. Jenny got on the big train and left everyone and everything that was familiar to her. Can you imagine how scary that would be? The train conductor helped her get off at the right station. Jenny squinted as she stepped off the dark train into the bright sun. She looked around and waited expectantly, but no one was there to meet the little girl. Now she felt even more alone. She waited as the depot agent contacted her cousin, who finally came to pick her up after a long wait. Jenny's cousin and his wife were kind to her, but they were very surprised that this little girl had been sent to them. There must have been some mistake. They were willing to adopt one of Jenny's brothers, but they had not wanted a girl. After talking it over, they decided to keep her, but Jenny knew they were disappointed. Would anyone ever really want little Jenny? A few years passed when one day Jenny read in the newspaper that her very own father was going to be in a nearby town as a special speaker. Oh, how excited she was that she could see her father again. After the lecture, she went up front with other well-wishers and to speak to her father. He reached out to shake her hand and casually asked, Who's this little girl? Jenny's own father did not know who she was. How lonely and abandoned she felt. But God was working in Jenny's life, and she opened her heart to the great Heavenly Father who would never leave her or forsake her. She confessed her sins and asked Christ to save her. Soon she began to understand that God was leading her to be a missionary to China. After graduating from college, Jenny was qualified to be a teacher. She began teaching at a small school near her cousin's home and was in charge of a Sunday school class of children. She knew God had spoken to her about serving him as a missionary in China, but in spite of her love of teaching, she was timid and afraid at the thought of going to such a distant country as China. Finally, some leaders in her church asked for several highly trained unmarried women to volunteer to work as missionaries in China. God again whispered to Jenny that he wanted her to serve him in China, and Jenny said yes to God's call. 
The first time she saw a Chinese person was when she traveled to the West Coast to meet the boat traveling to China. Jenny was so shy and fearful she could not even speak to the man. Soon she was aboard the ship that was taking her to China, but Jenny still struggled with timidity, insecurity, and fear. How could she help the Chinese learn about Jesus if she was so shy? The ship docked in Shanghai where missionaries and Chinese Christians greeted the ladies with such kindness and warmth that Jenny no longer felt afraid. She looked around at the thousands of people crowding the docks and streets of Shanghai. Her heart was overflowing with compassion as she saw the Chinese people surrounding her. These dear Chinese needed Christ and God would help her tell them. Chinese people find Western names strange and hard to pronounce. So they called her Jane Doe. That was her name. The Chinese language is intricate and complicated, but it needed to be learned in order to communicate with the Chinese people around her. God gave Jenny the idea to learn Chinese like she had learned music, using rhythms and tones. Because of this, she became... She was very good at the Chinese language and learned quicker than her fellow missionaries. As her language skills improved, Jenny was able to visit the different schools she was in charge of and teach the children hymns. Her students loved her, and soon she was invited to visit their homes where she could practice speaking Chinese with her students and their families. Over time, many many students came to know the Lord and became Bible-teaching women, pastors, school teachers, and church leaders. God used Jenny to help establish a church, to build many schools, and to arrange training for many pastors and teachers. Jenny's students loved her and her shy ways and accepted both her and her teaching. They could tell that she loved them and wanted to help them. When Jenny returned to America for furlough, Her Chinese friends and family wept and begged her to come back home soon. She finally realized that God had provided a home for her among the Chinese people she was called to serve. Can you believe what God did with one shy little eight-year-old girl who no one wanted? Isn't that amazing? Um, Let's see. I have some questions. What happened to young Jenny that made her feel unwanted? Do you remember what happened that made her feel that way? Being alone? Do you remember why she was alone? Yeah, no one wanted her. Um, What job did Jenny train for? Yeah? She became a missionary, but what job did she train for before that? And then she got to teaching. Yeah, she got to be a teacher. And God used that in China. Uh, Where did God want Jenny to go as a missionary? Tiffy, do you know that one? Where did God want her to go? Yes, China. Uh, Let's see. Who would help Jenny tell the Chinese people about Jesus? Oh, yeah, God definitely did. Yeah, it, it was God. Yes, you're right. What language language was Jenny able to learn quickly? Not quite. Close. Chinese, yes. Chinese is a really hard one. Um, So where was Jenny's true home and her family? Not in North America. 
what became her true home, her true family, the Chinese in China. Yeah. Okay, do you guys remember the memory verse? What verse was it that we learned in the beginning? Is God going to leave us? Is he going to forsake us? Ever? What if we go to the highest mountain in the whole wide world? Is God going to leave us there? Is he there? What about the ocean? We, if we go as far down into the ocean as we can go, is God going to leave us? No. What's the verse? I, I, yeah, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So remember that if you're ever scared or lonely or sad or afraid, Jesus is there. You're never alone. Okay? Good. Okay, you can go back to your parents. Good morning. good morning. Welcome to each one of you. It's good to have you all here this morning. You've been blessed by worshiping God and hearing from him this morning already? Amen. I don't think we have just a whole lot of announcements for the week ahead, but uh, continue to pray that God would work in our hearts and in this community as as mentioned with the passing of Linda here in this community let's pray that God uses that experience in some way with people that uh, know her or even strangers that God would use that to draw people to him during this time. God uses all sorts of circumstances, and uh, he wants to, it's, it's still his desire to draw all people to him. And we want that to be our desire, that in whatever, uh, whatever circumstance we're in, that the Lord uses us to draw all people to him. You know, there's something in, in the scriptures, actually, a command that is given fairly little, at least in, in a lot of circles, given people don't really pay attention to that a whole lot anymore. And that is found in James chapter 5, I believe it is, where... They're given the instruction to, it says, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray for him. I, don't, I used to know all those verses by heart. In fact, in uh, probably in my late middle school, I actually had to 
memorize the entire book of James, but those verses aren't coming back to me exactly. It says to call for the elders of the church to anoint him with oil and pray over him, and he will be healed. And so often we don't think about that command, but it's, it's something that God, in his wisdom, commanded us to do. Phil's going to share a little bit about that, and perhaps a little bit more on the biblical foundation for that. But Brother Steve here has been struggling with the after effects of COVID, and he has asked for us to pray for him and to be anointed with oil, and we are happy to do that this morning. Steve, why don't you come on up here, and, and you can take a seat up here for, for a moment, and uh, I'll let Brother Phil share with us what God shares about anointing with oil. And then we want to gather around Stephen and pray for him this morning. Phil? Yeah, I'll just share out of James chapter 5. You guys can, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to that. Let's read it. Um, I, too, am kind of amazed at how many times in the church this one is missed. I'm not sure why. Maybe the devil knows why. He says in, in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must. I want you to notice this word, must. This is not a suggestion. It's like Anthony said. It's a command. This is the Holy Spirit saying, This is the antidote to your problem. This is the answer to it. Are you suffering? You must pray. Are you cheerful? You must sing. Are you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And what happens? This is what happens. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, because this is true, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. How much? Well, here's the example he gives to us. Elijah. Remember Elijah? He was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for how long did it not rain, children? Anyone know? Three and a half years. It didn't rain for three and a half years. That's a long time. Could you pray that effectively? What do you think? Anyone want to volunteer to pray for Steve with that kind of power? Anyone? Everyone. Thank you, Tim. We should all raise our hands. Because this is a promise. He's saying, you, if you do this, that's how effective your prayer will be. It may not be a desert that it won't rain on the earth. God has different applications. But he will hear your prayer. And he will answer with the same kind of power. That's a lot of power. 
Then he prayed again. And the sky poured rain. And the earth produced its fruit. Anyone want to have an anointing of oil and be prayed for if you're sick? That is God's answer. Maybe that's why the devil tries to make sure very few people do this. Because he thwarts God's power right over your life. You know, you can mutter a prayer like saying thanks for the food. But it's, this is different. And we want to experience this difference with our brother Steve today. And I personally believe that he's speaking more of a spiritual truth than a physical. And I'll tell you why. Katie and I had a son. And this happens all over the world. This is just our example. A little boy who we prayed for for almost eight years that God would heal him. And we took this oil, this very same oil, and we anointed him with oil and prayed over him. You know what that God did? God healed him. He healed him perfectly so that he's never going to be sick and never going to die again. Now, it wasn't what we were praying for, we prayed he would do it for here on the earth. But if your prayer is temporal, you're just going to have a short temporal healing. If your prayer is eternal, it'll last for all eternity. And many times God takes our temporal prayers that we pray for, but he answers with a spiritual cure, the spiritual power. And that's why he says his sins are going to be forgiven him. Whatever sins they've committed, he'll be forgiven so he can live and the Lord will raise him up. And that word is the same word that is used in Romans 8 where he says that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead out of the grave, that same power now dwells in you, in my body. And it will raise up this mortal body with spiritual power. And that's our prayer for Steve today. We do pray that the Lord would touch you physically and raise you up. But more than just temporarily for another 40 years, that's his hope. All right, he just turned 68, so now you know how long he wants to live, 108. That's good. But our prayers for more than just 40, that's only a step into eternity. That's not even a day in heaven. Not even an hour. A thousand years is one day in heaven. One thousand years. So why don't you pray for a thousand years? Would you like that? I would too. Let's pray for eternal. And our prayer will raise your spirit up and make you strong with the power of Christ. That no matter what happens in this short temporal that the Lord heals you now and you get to live, as Moses said, I know you have longer wishing than that, but... Moses said, maybe till 70, or if by reason of strength, 80 in Psalm 90. That's so short compared for all eternity, right? So let's pray into eternity for our brother. Would you come? You want to share with the church a bit? Just um, maybe, Anthony, can you give him the mic? Just share what we're praying for, what you've been struggling with. Well, um, I had the coronavirus and uh, what I've learned, uh, even though through the media you can't always believe them, but sometimes they do get something right, uh, that 
when you have coronavirus, you can't have short time, long time. It could have some other effects. And one of them is blood clots. I have blood clots, what I've been told, in my lungs. And how, well, besides the testing, I had a warning that I had a shooting pain, like electricity going through me along my side. And then not too long afterwards, had a hard time breathing, and that got me to the hospital. But with, it's just like, I guess, sin has side effects, too. And so if you have sickness, the sickness is because of our sin, but not necessarily, as it shows in the Bible, too. But this world is sick, and we all need a healing. And so we need to pray for one another. And as Brother was saying, not just natural but spiritual, our whole being. He talks about in Jeremiah, being cured. Cured from, well, natural it talked about there, but also spiritual for our sin. Um, I, I do recommend those who do have, did have um, coronavirus get tested, uh, you know, not just not to for the coronavirus, any other effects that later on could happen and, and keep up on your own uh, medical because it is important. Uh, I can go on, but uh, <clears throat> when you hand a pre preacher uh, the microphone, it could be dangerous, but I just want to th also thank, uh, before Brother prays for me, is that I want to thank this congregation uh, through my tribulation or affliction. Uh, You've all been a blessing. It's nice to be back. It, it, it really is. That also I um, experienced, I'm involved in a nursing home ministry. And when the coronavirus started last year, I couldn't go in and minister. And that was frustrating, not just to me, but to the people, couldn't get the word of God. And then last summer for about three or four weeks, I was able to go in and minister, but outside, because it was summertime, and that was fine. But uh, then when things got tough again, they closed it off. And then they opened it up uh, about four or five months ago, but then I got coronavirus. Uh, took over a year to get it because <laughs> of my uh, stupidity, but we won't get into that. But anyway, be on guard, but also on guard spiritually as well as uh, physically, and look to God all the time. Thank you. Anyone else, if you want to come up around Steve here, can, you, will your uh, knees be okay to kneel? Yes. Can you kneel? Okay. There you go. And uh, we're going to pray over our brother, Steve. Maybe you guys can each take a turn to pray. Let's all pray together, and then I'll anoint Steve. Father, I thank you for my brother, Steve. I pray, Father, that you would touch his heart and life here this morning. Most of all, Father, 
spiritually, I thank you for the forgiveness of sins mm -hmm. that is promised. And I pray that that continues to be a reality in my brother Steve's life and yes, a continuing growth in his life as well. And I do pray for, for physical healing, that you would touch his body. And Father, that you would give him relief from some of these after effects of COVID and that you would give him strength as he waits on you. Mm. We ask in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, we continue to pray for our dear brother Steve, Lord. We thank you for his testimony, Lord. Thank you for his love for you. Pray for healing, Lord, for his inner man, Lord, that you might restore perfect health and and also, Lord, that he would rejoice in the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ mm. throughout all our circumstances, whatever, Lord, that puts us through in this life. Thank you for Steve and his testimony. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our brother, Lord. And I just thank you that you have brought him this far, Lord. You, yeah. have, you, love, to, you love to test us, to love, test our love for you and also to make us grow because of the trials in our life. And... Lord, I thank you for what you were doing in Steve's life and even of his own testimony of how much dearer and more precious the gathering together is of your saints, of just being together as a body. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to do a work in him, Lord, as he continues to work for the salvation of others, of uh, bringing others to you. And Lord, I just pray that you would just use him in a mighty way. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would heal him physically, Lord, as he is seeking to continue your work for him it may be 40 years for you it may be two it may be three we don't know lord but we just pray that you would continue to work through him for as long as he has and that you would heal him if not against your will lord but lord we ask in faith knowing that it is your desire to give us all that we ask if not asking in contrary to what you are wanting to give us and we ask this for steve this morning lord that you would just heal him so that he can continue the work that you have set him on. I pray this in your name. Brother Steve, we anoint you with oil. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be healed. Mm. Father, we lift up our dear brother before you. In Jesus' name, I agree with my brothers and with all of your children here this morning. We come before your throne of grace to find help and mercy in our time of need. And we come confidently, boldly, Lord. We come because you've invited us to come. And you love when your people pray. You love when your people call upon your name. You love to show your power through the promise of your word. And we come in that faith and submit our lives to you and commit and, and submit Steve's life to you, Lord Jesus, that your power, spiritual power, would raise up his spirit and would not let his spirit succumb, Lord, to, the, to his flesh, but rather, Lord, like with Apostle Paul, he could say, though my flesh grows weary day by day, this outward body is decaying, yet his inner man is renewed day by day. Raise him up with that spiritual power and grace and life for all eternity. We bless you and thank you for our brother. In Jesus' name, amen. There you go. That's also why you should get anointed. Get, to get some help. If anyone else is struggling with sickness, you're always invited to this place to do, have this done right here. Mom? All right. This is wonderful.
We're going to anoint mom with oil. Maybe she can give her the mic and she can share. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know. It spoke to me when Steve said this. I thought, well, Lord, I've been crying out to you, but I, I don't know why. It never dawned on me about the oil. And I thought, you're healing me and you're making me better, but I would love to be completely healed. So... I'm thankful this morning for Steve to remind me. And uh, I want to thank Jesus for being precious to me and helping me this far with my health. But I like to get anointed. Anyone else who wants to gather around mom and help pray? You're welcome. Do you want to kneel? Do you want a chair? Can you kneel? Do we have the mic? Katie, maybe you can lead out in prayer low and then we can close. Thank you, Lord, for the power, not only in salvation, but when we call upon your name. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are a living God and a Father that you care for us and everything that we go through, Lord. Even our health, Father. I just pray for Mom this morning that you would Continue to heal her. Father, thank you for the way that you have healed her. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that uh, she loves you and she um, would love to live life in the fullness, Lord, in health. And I pray that you would uh, give her that desire. And I thank you that you um, have been giving her answers uh, to her needs, Father. Yes, Lord. And Lord, we thank you and praise you and I pray that you would continue to heal her in mm-hmm. Jesus name Lord we come to you today you are the great healer Amen you created us in our bodies mm-hmm. and I thank you too that Steve thought to ask for prayer and ask for anointing and sometimes you don't do that and get your word comes you should mm-hmm. Yes, amen, Lord. Raise her body up. And Lord, we thank you that you have been helping her. We thank you that she's getting better. But I know, as Katie said, she loves to serve you. She wants to serve you just as Steve has been serving you and wants to continue. Lord, we pray that you will heal her body um, completely Mm -hmm. and that she will be able to continue serving you that she loves to do and that she won't have these episodes of Yes, Lord. And we thank you too, Lord, for this reminder of spiritual healing and yes, how you will Father. be healed permanently. And so thank you, Lord, for continuing to work in Sarah's life in this area. Thank you that she will one day be with you and you'll be completely healed and mm-hmm. um, keep her until the end. Lord, may we all enter into your presence and hear you say, well done. Yes, Lord. so much, Lord, for my wife, Lord, and all she means to me, and, and Lord, how you've taken her through these last several years, Lord, and, and I just thank you for her this morning, her desire, Lord, to serve you, and, 
And even though when she goes through sickness, Lord, she doesn't complain, Lord. Her life is just a blessing to be around, Lord. And we just pray that you would completely heal her, Lord. That she might continue to work for you and do yes, your Lord. will. And be a testimony to me and my family, Lord. And mm. we just thank you for her, Lord. Pray that you would raise her up, Lord. Help her to be mm. completely whole, Lord. And continue to walk with you. Father, I thank you for our sister Sarah. I thank you for her testimony, her love for you, and the example for all of us who are younger and younger in the faith. Father, I just pray that you would bless her for this and continue to raise her up and strengthen yes. her Amen, spiritually. Continue to renew her mind and her heart and that she, her uh, thoughts would be stayed on you and that you would give her a peace that passes all understanding. Mm -hmm. And physically as well, Father, I pray that you would continue to raise her up, that she would have many more years yes. of serving yeah, you and pointing more people to you. I thank you, Father, for what you will do in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray that you would um, be her rock and her hope, yes. her her life. I thank you so much for having such a godly mother and such an example in my life. And God, I thank you for the love that she has poured out on all of us. Mm -hmm. And I know that that love is directly from you. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Jesus, for such a godly mother. Please, Father, heal her brain. I pray that you would mm -hmm. help her mind to be stayed on you. And God, I know she continually puts her mind on you. And mm -hmm. she um, falls on you. You are her rock. You are her fortress. But God, I pray that she would not need to battle so much with her brain. But God, that you would just heal it. Heal the um, side effects of COVID for her, I pray mm -hmm. in Jesus' name. If this is your will for her, yes, God, I pray you would do it. Because I know you can. I have no doubt that you can. And you love to heal. You love to help us and to restore us. But you know best. So, God, we trust you. Because you're a good father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, I just pray so much for mom. And, Lord, I just pray that you would heal her. Lord, it's not because of us. It's not because mm -hmm. of... It's not because we just desire it, but Lord, I want it to be because it is what glorifies your name. Lord, and I pray that you would be glorified in your power in all that you do in her life. And Lord, the testimony that she is to others and in the way that she serves. And Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified. And Lord, we ask this in faith, knowing that it is your desire to give it. And Lord, we ask this for our sake, Lord, but also for your glory. Yes. And Lord, and just... Answer our prayer, if not against your will, to heal mom, and I just pray this in your name. Mom, we anoint you with oil. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be healed. Father, we lift up this dear sister called Sarah, whom many of us call mom, because that's who she is. She is a mother to many. Many more than she just physically gave birth to. Lord, you have used her as and her spiritual life and her example to, to be a mom 
in the church. And we thank you and praise you for your grace on her life, for calling her out of darkness into your marvelous light, for using her powerfully and wonderfully as a servant, for washing the saints' feet, and for, Lord Jesus, just ministering your grace to your people, and for giving her a burden for the lost in the community. I thank you for this faith, this living faith in her life, Lord. And we commit her to you and pray you would raise her up, make her whole, strengthen her spirit in her inner man. Let her be rooted and grounded in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Your legs numb. Patrick and Noah, would you get that table for me, please, and put it right up here? Since you guys are dressed up, it's kind of neat. I hope you haven't turned Mormon on us, but that's okay. <laughs> Christians can dress like that too. Just sit it this way. Yeah, just like that. Perfect. Thank you. I'll be right back. box is falling apart. Don't look at that. Don't worry about that. Thank you for offering, Lucas. I will get you children to help me here this morning. But before we go there, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis. We have been looking at faith and how Abraham lived by faith. And I've been studying Abraham's life, uh, focusing in on that study a lot in the last few weeks. And the Lord has been encouraging me, as you went to Genesis, I'm going to read Galatians to you, because this is why Abraham's faith is important to you and me. Is it important to you? Yeah? Why? He's a good example. That's true. But he's more than just a good example. What else is he to you? A father. Yeah, okay. Are you related to Abraham? Yes, everybody in here? You related to Abraham? You are if you have the faith of Abraham. Verse 7 of Galatians chapter 3 says, Therefore, be sure. Be sure about this. Don't question it. Be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. And in Romans chapter 3, 
He says this in verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Did you know that? Don't think of anyone as a Jew except this way. This is what God calls a Jew now. God doesn't call the Israelites a Jew anymore. This is the real Jew. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So now God wants to make everyone who has the faith of Abraham a part of his family. You've been adopted, Galatians says. Romans 8 says, we have received the spirit that we cry, Daddy, Daddy, to God. And then God does something. He gives us the promise of Abraham. Now that's why Abraham's faith is important. Not only do we become his offspring, we now are adopted into his family. He becomes the father of all those who believe, he tells us. But when we exercise the faith that he did towards God, God's promise to Abraham becomes mine. You want a promise from God? There's only one way to get it. See, a lot of people want promises from God nowadays. They ask God for a lot of things. But God doesn't promise things out, just liberally give out promises. God's promises are not cheap. Don't ever forget that. God's promises are not for everyone. And they're not cheap. They're not a yard sale. That's not where he sells his promises, that you can come for a penny and get a promise. But many people in the world today is full of these kind of people maybe even some of God's children, who would like to get pennies cheaper by the dozen. Promises. Cheaper by the dozen. You know? You know how they like that? They think like the scribes and Pharisees thought, that if they pray long enough, and scream loud enough, or like those prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, when they were trying to get God's promise, God's attention, they even started cutting themselves with knives and they danced around for hours. And Some Christians are like that. Many people in the world are like that. They think if they sacrifice something to God, then they'll get God's promise. But Jesus said, Sacrifice and offering I have not desired. Jesus quoted these, this scripture that Paul um, God said in his word through David, Sacrifice and offering thou hast not desired, but a body you have given to me. So God is desiring faith. That's what he's desiring. However, faith must be the faith that Abraham had. In James chapter 2, Listen to these words. Was not, verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. Faith worked. Faith did something. Faith 
is not an emotion. Faith is an act of worship. That's what it is. Faith is something you do to worship God. It's an act of worship, not an emotion. Many people think it's something I feel towards God and and so they, they want all this stuff from God, so they think if they feel right, they keep their feelings full of this certain optimistic feeling that somehow that will please God and get his attention. That won't either. Not any more than the prophets of Baal cutting themselves, and not any more than the Catholics laying on bed spikes of, you know, a bed full of spikes of nails. You know, they used to do that back in the days. There were times when Christians thought they could please God through laying on a bed of nails or doing without food for a long, long, long time. And many, many things that people have tried to do to get God's favor. But James says this. Faith does have works. It's faith that pleases him. You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. You see, when faith has an act, it does something to your faith. Why? It perfects it. It makes it stronger. Why? Because God responds to faith. God responds to faith. God becomes active. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and he was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You want to be God's friend? Some people think becoming God's friend is just that I have to not be a friend of the world. You know, he tells us later in James that if you're a friend of the world, you become the enemy of God. But no. Abraham wasn't trying not to be like the world. He had faith in God, and that made him God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, verse 25, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead dead as I looked in my own Christian life and I observe many who call themselves Christians in the world and get to know people there's one thing that I see that I lacked for years in my life and there's something that I see lacking in many of God's children that Abraham did faithfully that we don't do like Abraham did. And that's why I think so many of us don't experience God as a close friend like Abraham did. I'm going to call it this. Alterless faith. Faith without any altars. Does your faith have altars? Does it build altars in your life? You see, building an altar is something you must do intentionally. It doesn't just happen. And other people can't do it for you. Building an altar is an act of 
faith that Abraham did. I want to show you. I told you faith is not just an emotion. Now you can go back to Genesis. And we're going to start here in Genesis. Um, Genesis chapter 12 is where Abraham comes on the scene and God calls him out. And actually I have this highlighted in my other Bible, so I'm going to use it, this other Bible for this. find it a little better when I have it highlighted and I just go right through it. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. Now Abraham had left. Verse 4, so Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old. When he departed from Haran. You're not too old to start building altars, by the way. You're not too old to have babies until you pass Sarah's 99-year-old. That's what I used to tell people. They think we can't have babies anymore. Well, we're not near 99 yet. So there's still hope for us. There's still hope for you. If you're not 75 yet, there's still hope for you that you can start building an altar. And actually, you can even do it past that age. That's how old Abraham was. And Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. What do you do when you follow Jesus? And Jesus calls you out from your natural life. And we spoke of this the last time I spoke, how Jesus said, you can't even be my disciple unless you leave your family relationships. And you hate your father and mother and brother and sister. And you leave everything now, Jesus clarified that, said, you don't love them more than me. If you love anything more than me, you're not worthy of my being my disciple. You can't follow me. You won't. That's just it. You won't. You'll follow what you love. Where your heart is, that's where your affection will be. And that's what you'll follow. That's why people follow sports. That's why people follow Politics, that's why people follow whatever they follow. There's a, there's a certain affection, a certain kind of love that they place upon that. So Abraham did. God said, come, leave your natural relationship. Don't be surprised. God will say that to you and to me, to everyone of his children whom he wants to make like Abraham. He will say, there must be a time in your life when you'll go in and obey Jesus where your family hasn't gone before. You'll go to a place where your natural family won't follow you. Don't be surprised about that. Jesus said so. And in God's first example of faith was to Abraham in this way. By the way, a side note. Christian parents sometimes have a hard time understanding this. And I get it. 
as a dad, boys that I want to follow my faith towards Christ. And I want to be able to say to them, and I do say to them, follow me as I follow Christ, like Paul said. But Christian parents must understand that there's going to come a time when their children will have a greater, a deeper, a closer relationship to Jesus than they have to them. And if you don't understand that, you're going to have a hard time letting go of your children's hearts and of that holy place that only Jesus wants to fill with his love. And you will be a distraction to Christ in their life and to the voice of the Holy Spirit in their life. They can't hear him because they hear you. And you actually become a contradiction to it. And there will have become a time when Jesus will have to bring his cross in their life. Even Jesus' mom experienced this. So interesting. In Luke, we read, Luke chapter 2, where Jesus went to the temple when he was 12 years old. Remember? And what was he doing at the temple? Can someone tell me? He was educating them. He was asking questions for three days, right? He was there. And he was having this wonderful spiritual activity going on with the, with the leaders of the land, the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel. And when his dad and mom found him, his mom was a little upset. Son, what have you done to us? They had gone a whole day, walked for a whole day, and they had to walk back before they realized he was missing. They had to walk all the way back. And then they found, looking and looking for him in Jerusalem. And finally they found him on the third day. What did Jesus say to them? He said, Mom, don't you know I must be about my father's business? This was at 12. And then he went back and he submitted to his mom and dad for 18 more years. Yeah. 18 years, he submitted to his dad and mom until he was almost 30. And then when he began to go out and preach at the age of 30, his mom was really, really closely attached to her son. Can't, don't you? I mean, moms, if, if your boy stayed home until he was 30 and didn't get married and stayed in your house and, and you knew he was the son of God, the angel had promised. She had hid all this stuff in her heart. She knew, but I think somehow she felt like She's going to have a little bit of say-so into his ministry maybe or something. And remember the first miracle Jesus did? His mom was involved. He was at a wedding. His mom comes to him and says, they ran out of wine. Now why in the world would a mom come to a son who is not a winemaker and say they ran out of wine? Why? Would your mom ever do that to you at a wedding? If they ran out of cake, would she come to you and say... They ran out of cake. I'd be like, so what, Mom? What am I supposed to do? Go buy some cake? I'm just a guest at the wedding. I'm not the, you know, administrator here. I'm not. There was a reason Mary came to Jesus and said they ran out of wine. What did Jesus say to her? Have you ever marveled at those words? Jesus said, woman, what do I have to do with you? Right? What, what? Uh-uh, Mom. Now that I'm about my father's business, you don't get to control my miracles. You don't get to set me up, Mom. I can only do a miracle if my father in heaven tells me to do it. That's what Jesus was telling her. 
But then he did the miracle. Isn't Jesus sweet? His father told him to go ahead and do it. Anyway, even in Jesus' life, he had to make that separation. And he did in Abraham's life. What did Abraham do? As soon as he got out into the land, away from his his parents and all that natural habitat. And by the way, I don't know if you guys understand how big of a deal this was for Abraham. In those days, children did not move out and migrate all over the world like we so freely do in our age today. In those days, a man moved into a place and he built a family and they built the village. And as the village, as the families grew and the sons and daughters got married, they stayed there and they built a town. And that's how, that's how the population grew. And so for children to just get up and move out of town was unheard of. Like that doesn't happen. This was a big deal what Abraham did. And Abraham comes. Look at verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So what did Abraham do? So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, that's why I brought these blocks. Lucas, you can come and some of you other kids, you can come too. I'm going to get you a little involved. Let's build an altar, okay? I want, I want, to, I want you to think about what an altar looks like. What do you think an altar looks like? Okay, what did they do on altars? What did they sacrifice? Lambs? Anything else? Goats? Cows? Yep. Bullocks? Yeah. Birds? Pigeons? That's true. So, let's build. Let's, let's kind of build an altar, shall we? Let's try to make it look like something like maybe like this, like this, and like this. You think it's too long for an altar? Well, how about we do it this way? Let's start this way. Now, you can each lay a block on top of that, okay? There's some more blocks. Want another block, Benny? Let's do three layers high, okay? Now, God had told Israel later on, they weren't to build... Now, you can go back to your seats. We'll just do it three layers, and we're going to build another one, okay? I know it wasn't too high because God told Israel not to build altars up on a platform like this. You know why he told him not to do that? Anyone know? Because in those days, the priests wore robes. The men who offered the sacrifice wore robes. And God said, I don't want people to see your nakedness when you're up way high above them. So just build it of earth and stone down here low. But there was another reason why. Because altars easily led the people to idolatry. Idolatry means where they worshipped another god. And I want to show that to you. That's what happened. What Israel did with Abraham's altars. And that's what you and I can still do with Abraham's altars. I'll show you why. So Abraham built an altar. The first place Abraham built an altar and offered sacrifices to God was his earthly connections. His earthly relationships. And I ask you today, dear child of God, have you built an altar there? Have you given that which God called you out from and separated you from to God? 
Have you built an altar there? If you haven't, it will be very easily, very easy for you to go back and rebuild those relationships. Relationships that are not sacrificed to God as a living sacrifice stay relationships. They can be broken but easily fixed. But once you build an altar and this altar becomes a sacrifice, they become sacrificed to God's and you give it to God. Every time that men built an altar, by the way, altars were acts of worship, acts of giving to God. You read this from the first altar that was built that has been recorded to us in the Bible. Remember who did it? Who was the first man who built an altar? Uh, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Who was next? Uh, there are two sons. Cain and Abel. Abel was the first one, the first human being that we can read about that built an altar and sacrificed to God. And that's where Hebrews 11 starts. By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice to God. Was God pleased with it? Oh, but it got him killed. Are you sure God was pleased with it? What if your offering gets you killed? Would people say God is pleased with that? Or Yes or no? Yes, God was pleased with it. Cain also came and built an altar. And we'll talk about that later. By the way, Jude warns us. Watch out. Don't go the way of Cain. That means you and I can still be Cain's. Cain also brought one not to be outdone with his brother. But God wasn't pleased with his, was he? Why not? What was the difference, would you say, between Abel's offering and Cain's? Okay. Lucas? He did use vegetables. That's true. Michael? Came from the earth. Okay. Let me take you back to Hebrews 11. Lel? That's right. Cain's attitude was wrong. So, we don't know that God instructed Abel to bring animals, the best of his animals, or Cain not to bring vegetables. Personally, I don't think it mattered what they brought. It was what they brought with the sacrifice, the attitude, what it was to God. By faith, Abel. Cain didn't do it in faith. Maybe Cain wasn't to be outdone. He's seen God was blessing Abel. I'm going to do it too. I want a blessing too. But there was no relationship. He didn't do it in faith to God. So God didn't honor it. And if many people still build altars in their life and they make sacrifices to God, but it's either to appease God because they're afraid or, or because other people are doing it, everyone else is around and they want to do it too, and they don't worship God there. He's not worshipped. And so the affections of their heart, the affections of their past earthly relationships, they still haven't been turned over to Jesus Christ and given up to Christ as an act of worship. And that's the difference.
by faith, Abraham builds an altar. Verse 8. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So let's build another altar, kids. Now that you know how to build an altar, let's build another one. While you build that one, I'm going to do a little writing. Here, let's put the box down here, then you guys can get the blocks. Shall we? There you go, Caden. Nice. Very good. And we have two altars. This altar, okay, you can go back to your seats. We'll build some more. I want you to notice the first altar was built because God appeared to him. God appeared to him. And he built an altar to the Lord at that appearance. The second altar, it doesn't tell us that God came. Abraham was on a journey and he came to a new place. He had never been before. He was a stranger in the land. And it tells us he was afraid. He was afraid. And later on, it reveals this fear in his life when he told everybody, when he told Sarah, his wife, to tell everybody, she's my sister. He's my brother. Because she was beautiful and he thought they would kill her. And he says this to the Pharaoh king of Egypt and later to Abimelech. And he says, I thought surely there's no fear of God in this place. And I was afraid. So what did he do when he was afraid? What do you do when you're afraid? Do you try to make sure that your life is intact by establishing friendships? Or what do you do when you're afraid? This is what Abraham did. He built an altar. And he calls on God. He calls upon God when he's afraid. And he, he gives that fear to the Lord. There he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And which Bible did I use? Verse 8. We can say that he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Now, the next time in chapter 15, Abraham builds another altar. And this altar is built because of God's promise. I want you to notice this. So he comes in, um, in Genesis 15 verse 8. And up through there. It, it, verse 15 1. And after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in the vision saying. Do not fear Abram. I am a shield to you. God makes him a promise. Your reward shall be very great. And then he promises. And he said to him in verse 5. Look at the heavens. Count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. This is God's promise. Okay, God is saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. What does God's promise you? 
What does Jesus promise us that every disciple will have who gives up father, mother, farms, lands, everything he has for my sake? What will you get? Does someone know? A hundred times as much. Does God make us a promise? Yes, he does. You give up your family, my family will be a hundred times bigger than yours. Your earthly family. I found it so. Have you? My family is a family of six kids and two parents, eight in total. And now we're all married and we have, I don't know, maybe there's 50 of us now all together, something like that. I haven't counted lately. But that's not my real family. My family, that's going to last forever. Now, it is because we're born again. So, thank you, Jesus. We're both spiritual and physical. But God's family over the whole earth has become my family. Not only that, Abraham and all who have had the faith of Abraham ever since has become my family. Wow, how big is your family? Do you really want to experience God's family and get that blessing? That's the promise that God is giving to every one of his children who gets adopted into his family. What are you going to do with that promise? Huh? Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's so nice. And just go about your merry way and sing, I'm a part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family whose love knows no end. But did you hear that? That person over there. Oh, man. Oh, I find it so... And we gossip about each other and say, But we're part of the family. Or maybe you're one of those Christians who became so disillusioned with God's family because of the lack of love that you find hurtful you found it that way, and so you just avoid them. Stay at home, make yourself busy, and go about your own duties. Because God's family, they're hurtful beings. They hurt each other. They're not perfect. And so, you know, I'm proud of my family. What family are you part of? And someone says, hey, what family are you part of? And the first one you think is you're your physical family, your earthly family, and that's who you, you tell people where you're from. And have you gotten to know God's family? How interested are you in getting to know it? I'm amazed at how many God's children are so ignorant of their family and their life stories. Did you know Amos is my brother? Habakkuk, I have a brother with, by that name too. He wrote a letter to me. And I have a... I have a brother of all of these guys, these characters, Barack, not Barack Obama, the other Barack. He's my family too. And Deborah, she's my sister. These heroes of faith are my family. God said so. Look up at the stars. Can you count them? Try counting your family and God's family. Now, what did Abraham do with this promise? This is what I'm getting to. He built an altar. Now this time, he did something different. God said to him, he says, God, how will I really know this to be true? And God does something special that we can't read that he ever did before. 
to a man. He says, Abraham, build me an altar. Now come and bring all your animals and put them on the altar. And that's all he said to him. Just put them there. Read through the chapter. It's very interesting. And finally the sun was going down in verse 11. And a deep sleep fell upon Abram. But before that, as Abram put all the, the dead birds and the animals, cut them in half and he put them on the altar, the birds of the air wanted to come down and they wanted to get him. And Abraham protected this altar. Whoa, get out of here, birds. Get out of here. All day. He must have been there all day just shooing away the birds. You ever had to do with that altar? That promise? Shoo away the birds that want to come eat your sacrifice? And God does nothing. Doesn't hear anything. And finally you fall asleep. And then is when God comes. A great darkness came down over Abraham. And behold, verse 12, terror and a great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. And it came about when the sun had set that it was very dark. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when God's promise became very dark. That ever happened to you? And you've been shooing away the birds and all the other things that are trying to distract and get at your sacrifice, this altar that you built for this promise. And you're, you've built your life on this promise. Behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river of the Euphrates. God lit the sacrifice. First time ever. God lights the sacrifice with a fire, his holy fire. Has God ever done that to you in your life? Has the fire of God come upon your sacrifice of waiting upon the Lord, waiting on his promise, and he filled it with his eternal spirit? He made it life to you. Like the Holy Spirit came down on, the, on those 120 in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. They, they were there for many days praying and waiting for the same thing. And the Holy Spirit came and how did he come? Tongues of fire on their heads. And what did it do? It consumed them. They, began, they changed into complete different people. And God renewed his promise. Jesus' promise became theirs that day. I will send the Comforter. He will dwell in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you. And the next sacrifice that we see is in chapter 17. And 
Again, Abraham falls on his face, and there he gives the promise of Isaac. Now let's build another altar, guys. Come, let's build another altar. That's the largest one. We'll make sure you have blocks for another one. We're going to do one more, okay? Let's do, let's do it like this. Only three? We don't have enough of blocks. Well, let's take one layer off. Let's take one layer off and let's just do two layers, shall we? Let's go ahead and build another one too. Can we do that? Do it like this. Like this. Oh, there you go. Okay. We're empty. Very good. That's good. That's all good. Okay. So just to wrap this up, I'm going to continue this, this series of journey of faith. But I want you to think of these four as we leave today. These four places that I can think of as altars, main places in our life that the Lord wants us to give to Him and become altars. Can you tape this, Lucas? Okay, take a little tape and put it right here and put it right here in the front, okay? First one, we can read in Romans chapter 12. Here, I'll let you stick it on. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Our bodies become an altar where the Lord wants to be worshipped from. The second one is our home, the place we live every day. It becomes an altar where God is given that home and is worshipped. The third one is his family. We talked about that. His family he adopts us into. And the fourth one is our workplace. I see, I see these four as pretty much the areas in our life where we spend the most conscious time living. Right? And so I just set that in front of you to encourage you to think and to pray. Have you built an altar on all four of those areas in your life. Have you done it intentionally? And what are you sacrificing on it? As God looks on those four areas of your life, 
Is he receiving worship there? And I'll leave it at that. Amen. I like that you closed with a question. You know, sometimes we, whether church or anywhere else, we want to, when we come to the conclusion of something, we want to have all the answers. Walk away feeling like we got this down. You know, sometimes if you end, if you end with a question, it keeps it from ending. It can stay in your mind and continue to work in your heart as you ponder that question. Now, I, I was looking at these four altars, these four areas. You know, that pretty much encompasses all of our life, really. At least enough of it that if we are worshiping God in all of these areas of our life, he will have our whole life. And I believe that should be each one of our goals and our desires. I look forward to the continuation of uh, that message and these illustrations. Thank you all for being here. That will close this part of our service. As usual, we have a meal following here, and you all are welcome to stay and enjoy that with us and enjoy our time of fellowship. Yes, Father, we pray for Kate and Danielle, Lord, as they experience the loss of their friend who is not here anymore, whom you have called, Lord, out of this life. I pray, O Lord Jesus, that you would give them grace. And also for Linda's family, Father, I pray that you would open the door for us to continue to minister your grace to them and encourage them. We thank you for Kate and Danielle. We thank you, Lord, for them, uh, for getting us acquainted and, and, and for the fellowship, Lord, that they have continued to have here with us. We pray that you would show us how we can encourage them and bless them through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Anyone else have anything to share yet real quick before we close? not let's all stand to our feet those of us who are able anyway and we'll ask a blessing on our noon meal and we'll be dismissed thank you father for this time that we've had together here this morning and looking into your word and singing and worshiping and just hearing from you i pray father that we would take these things now through this week and that we would allow them to grow and bring forth fruit in our hearts and lives Thank you for the food that's been provided for us. We just pray your blessing on it and a blessing on our time of fellowship here this afternoon. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.